Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We're going to go for a little bit of a national look here next with our next guest, who is Mike Tenier, joining us here on the West Her Hotline. It's a contributor over at Football Outsiders, New York Times Sports, and most recently fan-sided. Mike, uh, good afternoon to you, my friend, and uh, happy, you know, maybe almost kind of back to normal world that we're living in. I'm all vaxxed up. That The other day, I had two co-hosts in a studio with me, vaccinated, and it was like kind of like, oh my gosh, this is, it feels like 2018 again. Oh my God, that's so heavenly! I'm all vaxxed up. I am mask medium, you know. <laughs> sometimes it's on, sometimes that's it's right. Off. But I'm looking forward to that first face-to-face, mm-hmm. uh, you know, indoor meeting with somebody who's not my wife or my children. That's right. And no offense to them. I'd say with my girlfriend, you know, I'm just <laughs> sick and tired of seeing their their faces. You know, it's and here's the other thing too that I may be most excited about. Well, actually. I don't know if I'm excited about this or if I'm dreading this, but the thing with masks in public is you make the eye contact with someone that you know and have known for a long time, and you're like, I don't have to say a damn thing to you because I can pretend like I didn't recognize you. And I don't know if that's a good thing that we're leaving behind or a bad thing, but I do like the fact that I can see someone that I probably don't really want to interact with, and I can completely ignore them without them you know, saying things behind my back to family members. Just to share, I was a teacher for 17 years, and then I left that about 10 years ago. So someone who I last saw when they were 16, who is now, you know, let's say 29, right. will walk up and talk to me. Now I was an adult then. I'm an adult now. They recognize me totally. And I'll be like, I don't know who you are. You've had, like, you were a child. Now you have a child. I don't remember. You have you a beard. Yeah. Re- remind me. So with the masks, at least I, have, I had an excuse. Now I have to go back to saying, oh, yeah, class of 2003, you leap right back into my memory. Yeah, man, I, I, I'm totally with you on that, especially especially nowadays. Like, I actually just got a haircut, so now now people really don't recognize because I literally got, like, six, seven inches cut off the head, uh, and so now nobody recognizes me. It's it's a world I like being in. Let's just I, I like being incognito like that. But um, listen, Mike, I wanted to bring you on because I think there's a lot of interesting things from a national perspective happening. I want to get your, some of your thoughts on kind of the, the offseason here for the Bills and, and kind of some of the things you've been paying attention to, maybe get, get your thoughts on their overall draft. Before we do that, though, it's hard not to bring up this Rogers situation that's sort of kind of mm-hmm. it feels like it's it's like shape shifting every week or so we hear people with new information um that is basically just kind of rehashing exactly what we already know but what mm-hmm. are you what are you most intrigued about with this situation that's playing out in Green Bay are do you buy that that Rogers is really like is, is he holding the cards is he pushing like 
them to fire their GM. Is, is he is I guess are, are the reports as accurate in your mind as as maybe some other people are making them out to be about what the I, dynamic of that situation is? I, it, it, it's weird because it's like the report and then the response to the report or the spin on the report. You know, Rogers is he he, he wishes to speak to the manager. Let's put it that way. He's in that <laughs> mode. Yes, he was. He would. He, he wants everyone fired. He wants to run things. And there's this like wave of, of Packers fandoms like, yeah, do it, put him in charge because you know we're you know we worship Aaron Rodgers, which is odd. You know, obviously he's a phenomenal player, but I think anyone who's been really paying attention knows for years he's a bit of a handful. Yeah. Uh, you know, and 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 of course there's a degree to which the great quarterback can be a handful, and it's like, yeah, you have to work with him to a point, and then it's a point where it's like, no, you can't tell me I have to get fired. I am the general manager, and that's where we're at now. So, you know, he holds the cards that he could simply not show up. They hold the cards that they have a three-year contract. He cannot get traded without them deciding to trade him. So both sides can go nuclear. Both sides have a nuclear option. Like, like we can hold you, and the only thing you can do is go host Jeopardy. That's it for you, because <laughs> uh, we hold your votes. And he can be like, yeah, go out there with Jordan Luck. Good luck with that. Uh, so right now, it, you know, stage one, after the announcements of his, of his uh, anger, stage one was the financial apology stage. And mm. we've already rolled through that. You know, the, yeah. they sent an emissary with a suitcase full of money, and he turned it down. So stage two is now is now the bluffing it's the poker bluff uh you, you can not show up for mini camps right now that's fine because they're still kind of virtual whatever training camp's going to come he's either going to walk in or not that's when it gets real so it, we're going to kind of be like like churning this with like old reports and reports of reports of reports until somebody has is expected to show up could be fined ten thousand dollars a day for not showing up are the franchise quarterback and they're either there or not not there and that's where it gets real with uh Gutenkeis and those guys mm-hmm. and murphy saying we might have to trade this guy. And Rodgers have to say, look, I might have to go say something publicly and make my demands public. And, and until then, it's, it's all going to be possible. Mike, I, w- I wonder, too, what your thoughts are of the report that they did offer him a contract extension. They did offer him more money. What, what at all does that do to the dynamic? Because to me, how I look at it is, that's a team basically saying, we are a little terrified of the other option, which is turning to a guy that they drafted in the first round. And I guess for me, mm-hmm. what that, it says way more about, it sort of showed or revealed their hand a little bit by saying, well, we're sorry, here's a little bit of more money, here's some security. Um, if you're Rodgers, what does that tell you about where they think they are? And doesn't that just kind of reveal like, yeah, sorry we drafted that dude in the first round, it didn't get you any help. I don't see it that way at all. I, I come at it from the mafia perspective. Mm. Like, is this a, pro- of course is this you a do. problem? We can <laughs> <laughs> here in Jersey, we always take the mafia perspective. Uh, is this a problem I can solve by writing a check? That, yes. that is a fair yes. question. And there's a lot of people in business. You know, you, you slip and fall in the parking lot of a fast food chain. <laughs> hey, can we solve all this problem with this check? And the answer is often yes. So, yeah. so they explored that. You know, I heard rumors that it was like it was Patrick Mahomes' money. Okay, Patrick Mahomes' money, we don't even know what Patrick Mahomes' money is. That's right. Some of it doesn't come due until 2035. That's like, you know, Bobby Benea money. So I, I don't know if that's good, bad, or indifferent to him. So I just, like, from the beginning, it's like the first stage in this is to say, okay, if he's this mad, is this just a contract pull, or is he mad, but is he mad that, uh, in, in a way that's solved financially? So they did that. I wouldn't take that away from him, like, Oh, they're terrified now. Jordan Love, they need me so badly. It's just like that was the overture. I said no to it. Now they go back and say, well, if that isn't it, I don't think that they're thrilled with the idea of saying, oh, the Jordan Love era begins 
tomorrow when they were an NFC championship team last year. But I think that, you know, compared to some of the teams that left themselves with no options in the past, I think they can look at it and say, hey, if we go nuclear, plan B is in place. It may not be, it may not be optimal, but it's a first round quarterback, somebody who's been on our system. And we can at least we can at least turn back to it and give it a try if everything else fails. So I probably have uh, I would I would say maybe like a good amount of listeners right now who have probably heard a little bit about well the organizational ownership structure of Green Bay makes this yeah. situation really interesting. And if you were to explain yeah. to a person that doesn't quite understand, like what do they mean by their organizational structure? Talk about what is so unique about Green Bay and maybe what makes this unique in that this wouldn't happen in Denver or maybe this situation doesn't play out the same way in Las Vegas just because mm-hmm. the fans don't own the team sort of thing. Right. Yeah, and that's it. The fans own the team to a degree. So the person in charge is a CEO. There would have to be sort of a structural action and a vote and things like that to make uh, uh, to make moves to fire, say, Brian Gutenkeis, et cetera. So, so if this was uh, Dallas, Jerry Jones would either say, pay the man or screw the man, yeah. and it would be done. And he would either fire uh, you know, his coach or whatever, or he would uh, open the vault to a degree to which Aaron Rodgers was completely in charge. Dan Snyder would do the same thing. He would probably fire 30 random other people along the way for no good reason and possibly do something racist, but he would solve the problem. Uh, John Elway, I mean, there is actually an ownership void right now in, in Denver because uh, right. uh, the owner passed on. But, you know, John Elway would make issue a decree, and that would get done. Mark Davis, son of Al Davis, issue a decree, and it would get done. This is a little more of, this is a corporate situation. There's no big boss. There's no, there's no J.R. Ewing uh, of Dallas who's just going to solve this problem. It's going to go through channels. There's no one there to just say, I'm going to fire X, I'm going to fire Y, fire Z, except for Murphy, uh, their CEO, who's one of the guys who I think that, that Rogers has ticked off at. So that creates a situation where you don't get some of that seat-of-the-pants old-school uh, smoke, go into the smoke-filled room with cigars and scotch and come out with a solution, uh, it's going it's to be done in a more, I don't know, bureaucratic way with the Green Bay Packers. Mike Tanier here on the West Her Hotline. We're talking a little bit about Rodgers, the situation playing out in Green Bay. And, and kind of to put a cap on that part of the conversation, Mike, what do you, if you're a betting man and you had an opportunity to go to Vegas and put some money on what you believe the result of this is going to be, where do you think this lands? Um, where do you think think and 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 maybe the the follow-up question to where do you think this lands is are we looking at maybe just a one-year solution and then ultimately the the plan here or the the result will be that Rodgers is going to finish his career elsewhere uh, Rodgers is going to finish his career elsewhere but I, I, th- I think he hit it on the head with the one-year solution that maybe they put a patch over this long enough to get through the other possibility and and the thing i keep turning to is this could be like a carson palmer situation carson palmer when he was fed up with the bengals just flat out retired quote unquote retired for several weeks several months and then when back channels came like oh he'd be willing to play for the raiders he would come back uh you know we could make a trade everyone everyone will agree to this then he unretires he winds up on the raiders for a year and then he goes to the cardinals I could see that kind of thing happening where, uh, you know, and it's the same, it's the same agent, mm-hmm. frankly, yep. where, where he, where he literally does the thing where he says, Oh, I'm going to be the head. I'm going to be the uh, host of to tell the truth. So, you know, goodbye everybody. And, and, and we all know that it's a, a posturing statement while John Elway, while Mark Davis is on a phone call in the back with the agent, with the folks at the Packers getting a deal done that might not get done until September 30th or October 30th or whatever. 
I think the next kind of interesting situation kind of across the league that I think could potentially play out here in the next few weeks or I would say maybe June 1st is the date to look at for this, but the Julio Jones situation in Atlanta, they obviously yeah. they go out and get the most talented, I think pretty universally, the, the number one prospect in the draft in Kyle Pitts, who is you know a tight end, but I think universally believed to be sort of a do-everything um, type of player, and particularly in an offense, I think that's going to throw the ball a lot in Atlanta. Do you buy that it makes sense for Atlanta to move Julio Jones at this point, especially when the the return is like being talked about as at best a second round pick. Um, and who do you buy as maybe the best fit for Julio at this point in his career? Uh, I don't buy moving him. I, I could see a trade deadline move because you can take a team that's you know five and one at the trade deadline and say I will we'll give you the first rounder for him. Yeah. Uh, I I don't understand the Falcons building strategy at all. Frankly, they got a zillion dollars in Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. Getting rid of Julio Jones's contract doesn't change Matt Ryan's contract. If he moves, obviously he would be he's contender bait. You know, he is somebody who you have to move and say, well, we're one or two players away. And like like the Seattle Seahawks would be a, an amazing player. Him him and him and Russell Wilson would be a, a great combination uh, together. Uh, that, that's one that pops into my mind. Um, you know. I, I'm looking at the Baltimore Ravens right now. They could not possibly afford him on a on a contract. Right, and right. Tennessee Titans, the Tennessee Titans are, are one player away. They, they would be a team to do to do that with. Um, he's not a great fit in a lot of places because of his salary, because of his age. The teams that, like you would say, man, they need a wide receiver to go over the top. Most of them already have the wide receiver to go over the top, so that makes it a sticky situation. If I'm the Falcons, I say let's go score a million points with him and Pitts and Ridley and Ryan, who can still play pretty well, and let's wait and see if somebody really comes off and is offering us first-round picks. And that's again something that might happen when some team says, "Hey, we're four and zero, but our receiver got hurt or isn't what we expected to be. Please give us someone else." Yeah, and, and I think you're you bring up the Ravens, right? And and I think the yeah. Ravens are an interesting... I think they kind of get brought up in any time there's a receiver that potentially could get moved. It seems like, well, the Ravens need a guy. And, and you know, they go out and they get Sammy Watkins in the offseason. So, you know, he'll yep. he'll go for his 8 for 150 in week one, and then he'll play two more games for the rest of the season, and that'll be that. Yep. Yep. But I That's like right. the Bateman pick a lot. I, I was a big Rashad Bateman fan going into yeah. this draft. I think that was a good move for them. Overall, though... I can't get to a place where I care about any receiver that they go and sign because they still, and this is not a knock at Lamar. I think it's more of a knock at Greg Roman because I know Greg Roman. I've watched Greg Roman and the same critiques of Greg Roman existed Mm -hmm. in the Tyrod Taylor offense, in Mm -hmm. the Colin Kaepernick offense, and you get to Mm -hmm. this point with him every time where his passing route concepts are so predictable and they don't have right. any layers, no evolution from it. So who cares if they have Julio Jones, Sammy Watkins, <laughs> Rashad Bateman, and Hollywood Brown? Because they're going right. to run three routes. And that is just, it's very predictable to stop for NFL defenses regardless of the skill set of the wide receiver. So with, right, with the Ravens right now, what do you... Uh, how can in, in in a year so important for Lamar Jackson, right? Because yeah. this is the year they need to determine in the same way the Bills are trying to determine on Josh Allen's future, how to pay Lamar Jackson. How do you do it if you never actually get to see him play in a passing offense that's worth a damn? 
Well, I mean, there's a couple of things to that. One is, yeah, I would love to see two wide receivers on the same side of the field running crossing <laughs> routes or running layer routes. So that would be a first time. Right. And that would and that would help Lamar Jackson throw to the outside there. Now, Jackson some, doesn't look comfortable throwing to the outside, probably for a variety of reasons. One may be the scheme, but one is you can kind of see him when he resets his feet and turns that way. It doesn't look like he's like that's, – that's, that's, he doesn't do it a lot. It's yeah. not something he's great at. Uh, you're right that, like, after a while, it's like, oh, what we need is six more weapons on the outside. It's like, no, you need to actually get the most of them. I like Bateman, too, because he's a slot guy who can take a, a, a RPO slant and get 15 more yards from it, and that's what they need. The best thing they did, because this is what this offense is going to be. It's going to, if it opens up, it's going to open up by 5, 10, 15%. It's not going to open up by 50, 60%. It's not designed for that. And ideally, you're winning games. Uh, running the ball so you don't have to open it up that much. The best thing that the Ravens did, they went out and got Alejandro Villanueva after the draft. So they firm up their right tackle position after trading Orlando Brown, who won it out. They go out and get Kevin Zeitler, uh, who's been a good lineman on a couple different teams. That solidifies an interior line that kind of stunk last year. Like Mm -hmm. They're trying to run up the middle, and they don't have the the bodies there. They they, they draft a kid, Ben Cleveland, your basic 486-ton Georgia Bulldog lineman, and you, and you put him out there. So they're going to do what they're going to do. I don't have a problem paying Lamar Jackson, giving him this, this next contract, uh, based on mostly on what I've seen now. But if they're going to run this, they better make sure they're running it right with good offensive line and with the weapons that when he does call those plays and he calls all those slants and all those little quick outs and crossing routes, that those receivers are getting the most opportunities to gain the yards after the catch. Uh, Mike, you also brought up the Titans, which I think – I would I could probably come up with a really good 2 hour long segment about <laughs> why I think they're one of the worst run in terms of personnel wise one of the worst run teams in the league and how lucky they got with Tannehill and how uh, just to me and losing Arthur Smith I think will have a ripple effect on regression, especially with Tannehill. They lose Mm. three of their top four pass catchers and do absolutely nothing to replace it (laughs) other than to spend $17 million on a guy coming off an ACL injury, playing on the other side of TJ Watt, and... And the one position that you have locked down better than any other position on the team after you let go of three corners. So with the tight, I'm sorry, with the Titans, it just doesn't make sense to me because I look at the team and I see at the top, AJ, uh, AJ Browns to me is one of the best young receivers in the league. And mm. what are they going to do? Outside of him, it just like they had a chance to get Elijah Moore. I thought that pick made so much sense, and then they just right. they go another direction there, and whatever. But right. the Titans to me are going to be a really interesting story because they play in the worst damn division in football, and that will cloud everyone's judgment about them when they you know get you know four to five free wins in that division every year. So what do the Titans to you like? What does their outlook in 2021 look like? And are they a team that are they're just going to turn around and hand the ball 40 times to Derrick Henry and and hope that Tannehill can complete 15 to 20 passes a game and that's how they get to you know lose in the wild card round? Yeah, I thought you were going to miss. Oh, and Derrick Henry, we're going to run him 400 times a year, and we've never seen a running back wear down from that kind of. Uh, ne- never, never one time, and and we've never <laughs> seen running backs like Derrick Henry hit a wall where they run for 2,000 yards and then 600 the next year. That's never happened. Right. In fact, in fact, it happens every time. He's like a year overdue. For That's right. It. But uh, but yeah, and you mentioned Elijah Moore, and it's like, man, he would look so good running Ugh. those little crossing routes yes. and stuff like that, and what they're trying to do. Uh, but, yeah, you, you hit it on the head, the idea that they're going to be fine because they're going to get probably four wins from the Jaguars and, 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 and the uh, Texans. 
and and that's going to get them through. And you, you were talking about how you know they're poorly run at the top, and I remember all the extra draft picks they had yep. uh, from the trades they made, and, and they got so little out of it. I guess they got some okay players, but I'm looking at their, their roster now. They don't get a lot from having extra first, second round picks there. I don't hate overall their offseason. Uh, you know, I, I hear what you're saying about the Bud Dupree, but they also got the Nico Autry. That, yeah. that was a pretty good. I did like that bunch. Yeah. Yeah, and and yeah, losing losing uh, Corey Davis, you get Josh Reynolds back. It's not terrible. That's each each decision is like you know that wasn't a terrible replacement. That wasn't a terrible. Re- you're you're a wild card team. You can't you can't be like 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 going five percent back from where you were. You know you have to be going five ten percent forward there. So they're going to be one of. They, it looks like they they built themselves to be a wild card also ran type of team. They're going to be a wild card also ran type of team. Yeah, does that mean that they're going to go twelve and five? With the new with the schedule, et cetera, maybe, but they're not going in the in the best direction they should be because they should be up there with the Bills and with, and with these other teams. It's like, oh yeah, this is the Super Bowl conversation. Part of it goes through Tennessee. Mike, um, I wanted to kind of get some of your thoughts on the Bills, um, in particular their draft, and and I think there was a lot of really mixed reviews on the Bills draft. Some people really liked it, other people really hated it. Um, I, I I don't think there's really any argument that from an athletic profile perspective, especially across the offensive line and their third and fourth picks, Tommy Doyle and Spencer Brown, like they they got two. Yeah. Uber athletic and potentially future, um, you know, yeah. I think right tackle replacements for Daryl Williams eventually. Um, I think they like Deion mm-hmm. Dawkins a lot, so I'm not sure the left side is really up for grabs in the near future, but I think the right, right. side absolutely is. But it's the first and second round picks that I found to be the most interesting. Obviously, they really went with, uh, they went with sort of like the Josh Allen type at with Greg Rousseau, a guy with yeah. a ton of upside. We didn't get to see him with Jalen Phillips last year, which I think a lot of I think he probably gets picked higher if you get to see him with Jalen Phillips in that Miami defense last year, but he opts yeah. out and blah blah blah. But tell me about what you think what is the message that Brandon Bean sent to the rest of the league drafting defensive end in back-to-back rounds with a team that has invested more resources on the defensive line than a lot of other teams have and frankly have not seen the returns on it. They haven't. And one th- thing is we're, we're coming after Mahomes. I mean, yeah, that's right. That's, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and, we're, and we're coming after, I think at Mahomes, like at week two or something like that, I think it's real early in the season. Uh, week and, and we're gonna, five, maybe? Week five. I think okay. it's week five, yeah. Okay. So we're coming after him, and, and, and that's a degree. I think it's a recognition that they haven't gotten the dividends they expected. They do have some older players there at the top of the depth chart. Um, but, but, but that's it. And one of those is the, the perception that the roster, the, the starting lineup, I should say, is set. The starting lineup was mostly set. That's their impression coming in. So they're comfortable with their running backs. I can kind of see that. Uh, you know, they're comfortable with the offensive line. They managed to hold us, keep some of the guys. I can see that. Like you said, they brought in some prospects later on. So, you know, Rousseau, my big knock on Rousseau was that he is just going to be pure pass rusher guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he is. if you try to put him out there 50-60 snaps a game, uh, he's going to get pushed around against the run. He may, need, he may need to sort of develop as a pass rusher. Well, you know, he's in a good position here because he is. He's going to be rotating with AJ and all these other guys that you got out there, uh, these younger players. And, and I would say the same. I, I like Boogie Basham overall. He's another guy where it's like, well, if you needed him out there for 60 snaps a game because you're the Jaguars and you stink, you'd be in real trouble at the beginning. <laughs> I, think I think these guys, are, as wave players, are going to be helpful and useful. You put him out there with whoever you got out there, Hughes and those other guys. And I think it's going to be a, a really good pass rush. I, the whole, the whole offseason – it's like it's an unexciting offseason. It isn't a splashy, sexy, we got the one missing piece yeah. offseason. 
And it's easy to hate that. It's easy to have read and written 500 mock drafts. You put Travis Etienne to the Bills. <laughs> right. Uh, in right. part because you think it makes sense. In part because, hello, I want to get Bills fans excited, so I say things like that. Uh, you know, so you'll click my stuff. Uh, you know, and, and, and not see that. Oh, it looks like Singletary and, and then Moss again. That's not terrible. So it's a, it, it was a let's consolidate what we've got. Let's move forward through progression, through continuity, and like add little small pieces along the way off season. That's not sexy. A lot of times those turn out to be very effective, very yeah. productive off seasons, though. Especially when you consider. They the way that they were able to bring back the guys that they brought back, in particular yeah. Matt Milano. Yeah. And listen, I like Daryl Williams yeah. a lot. I in no way, Mike. I, I think the only I think I think I said this multiple times. I, the only way I viewed Matt Milano in a Bills uniform in the, in 2021 was if he decided to take a one year deal to get to next offseason to to make his payday. That was the only scenario I thought made sense. The fact that Brandon Bean was able to get it done at a below right. market rate. I mean, you right. could have easily made the case that the Browns, that you you name a couple of good teams. I, I think the Jets or the Patriots would have put a lot of money on the table for a Matt Milano. And the fact that he stayed home at a hometown discount on, on a team that is making that run, I think says a lot about mm-hmm. where the state of the franchise is. But just where how how players are viewing Brandon Bean across the league and even in, in this just in the locker room here, I think there's a really, really good level of respect across the league for Brandon Bean and kind of how he's how he's doing things here in Buffalo. Yeah, I think the agents are definitely on that. And usually when the agents are high on it, the players. The players will talk about the coaches a lot. They don't necessarily always talk about the GMs. But the agents will talk about the GMs, and, the, and there's respect there. Respect from the other GMs as well, and respect with what they're doing there. I, I was kind of clicking and sneaking a look at like the 2022 salary cap, 2023 salary cap. And you know it made sense. So Deion Dawkins was another guy. I think they just extended this yep. offseason. A couple of guys on the line. They've got to have one eye on Josh Allen, uh, moving forward here and getting that extension done. And, you know, one of the one of the parcels of that is you can't just necessarily go out and grab free agents to grab free agents. If you want to make a logical contract uh, for your for, for your franchise quarterback. And, uh, you know, 2022 actually looks a little tight right now. But again, we don't know what the cap's going to look like in a year. But they're putting uh, they're putting pieces in place so they can make that contract and make that contract offer relatively soon. And and that's why you might have seen some of the things you, you, you hope to see. You hope to get this guy or that guy in free agency. He didn't come. Well, that's one of the reasons why. Mike, appreciate you, brother. As always, enjoy your weekend. Thanks for the insight. It's always appreciated. We love listening to you. And uh, like I said, have a great weekend. Enjoy the Preakness later if you're into that. Otherwise, yeah. you know, for me, I'll just sit back and, and drink some beers and then watch watch some horses run around a racetrack, you know. That's what the Preakness is. It's getting really, really loaded and watching horses. Yeah, right, because that's, that's how you enjoy it, by getting incredibly loaded. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the Preakness is like the drinking holiday of Baltimore. If Baltimore doesn't catch fire, that's a big win for the Preakness. So that's what I'm rooting for. What if that. you could get wasted at the zoo? That's basically what it is. <laughs> that is it. That is it. Drunk at the zoo. Yes. And just, you know. <laughs> the Dr. Seuss canceled story, drunk at the zoo. <laughs> that's correct. <laughs> Thanks so much, Mike. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, it's very weak.